0: hey everybody this is sean hartwell and the never heard of it podcast this is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours and i'm joined as always our social distancing is so far we're not even in the same Mm. state craig moorhead how are you
1: uh, Sean, I'm doing great so far. The social distancing really agrees with me. It really does. It, it, it feels like something I've been headed toward for a long, long time. <laughs> and now yeah. that I'm here, it's it's pretty fantastic. But I mean, we've been, we're we're old time social distancers, you and me. I know. So like we've been on this bandwagon for quite a while. Uh, how are you doing?
0: I don't like it. I don't, you know, Craig, and it's weird because I've been basically working from home for the most of the sure. year for the past decade yeah and now that i like kind of have to (laughs) i don't i don't like it and uh i'm absolutely of course willing and want to do it right now yeah i don't know it's crazy we talked a week ago and the world changed essentially i think really quickly yes it did not long after we recorded i don't know i don't i don't have a ton else to add to it i hope everyone is safe and healthy. And as you and I were discussing before we recorded, if you are at all at risk in some way with your health or know someone who is, for God's sakes, stay inside because a lot of people aren't who should be. Don't count on other people to, to not infect you because clearly a lot of people uh, have not stopped their daily lives whatsoever from what I could tell. And that's a little frustrating. So It
1: is. It is. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of it myself ranging everywhere from people who are just outright scoffing at the, uh, at the importance of kind of what's going on, just, you know, and uh, what we need people to do in the next couple of weeks and to, to people who are yeah. just a little maybe absent-minded about it. Which is understandable sure. in
0: a way because it is a complete, you really have to rethink things yeah. in a lot of regards.
1: And it's really like, you know, it's, it's a disease that's basically a cold, but it could kill you. And, I mean, everything about that message is so confusing. There are a lot of ups and downs throughout that entire thing. Yeah. It was just like, if you get it, you'll explode. I think everyone would be like, I'll stay inside then. That's that's an easy choice.
0: The biggest mistake ever was associating this with the flu. Yeah. Even if that is a fair comparison, psychologically, it's probably done harm, I suspect. Yes.
1: Yeah. I think so.
0: Anyway, stay safe, people. Mm-hmm. We'll keep doing this, and hopefully, we'll keep feeling okay. And right. everyone that you know will feel okay. And all you parents who were juggling becoming sudden homeschool teachers, boy, I feel your pain. <laughs> my daughter is great and has done a great job so far. And but it's it's not a situation I necessarily wanted to be in. So and neither did she. So here we are. Yeah. Neither did my wife. So <laughs> yeah. We're all doing what we can. Indeed. Uh, Craig. Yes. We're going to talk about Tokyo, which is a movie we teed up last time. I hope everybody listened to that because uh, a lot of fascinating things going on kind of behind the cameras, just in the crew there. And uh, and it, it was an interesting journey. It is on Amazon Prime. We'll get to it in a minute. But first, why don't we do what we always do? And you can quickly kind of tell people where they can get in touch with us if they'd like to, because I certainly would love to hear from them if they've seen this movie.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to tell them that. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Never Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, also Never Podcast. Look for Never Podcast on Facebook. You'll find us. You can get in touch with us there. You can get in touch with us on Instagram. You can follow us, N-H-O-I-T Podcast. That's N-H-O-I-T Podcast, Sean. And that's how mm-hmm. uh, p- people can find us in the, in, uh, and, and follow our little uh, our little uh, you know Instagram story. I'm not sure, the Instagram tale. I'm not sure what it's called now. But whatever it is, uh, you, you can uh, you know suggest movies or, or tell us about your day. That's fine. Tell us uh, if you had any run-ins with someone who coughed near you, and how yeah. that brought on soul-crushing anxiety. Uh, and then I'll say, yeah, join the club. Yeah. Uh, you can you can find the podcast on several different platforms. You can find us on uh, on Anchor, where we're currently hosted. Maybe you heard a, a gentleman tell you about it earlier. And, uh, <laughs> and you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast. That's the app that I use. I like it very much. Pocket Casts, mm-hmm. Radio Public, Stitcher. Look for us. We're around. We're all over the place. Um, and if you, if you find us, if, you, if, if there's a place to maybe leave a review or a place to subscribe, think about doing so, please, because that would uh, actually help us out, kind of spread the message loud and clear you know that's that's what we want to do and speaking of loud and clear sean uh let's jump into this movie what do you say that, was, that wasn't a good that was not, i'm sorry that wasn't a very good segue I'm, I'm i need to call it out immediately
0: okay well the only problem with it craig yeah as i was first gonna ask you what else you ah, watched
1: yeah let's cut all that stuff out <laughs> Hey Sean let's talk about what else we've watched
0: okay let's do that I'll go first yeah quickly hop through a couple things I haven't watched a ton since we talked about high spirits but I did I checked out a short documentary called Paul Schrader man in a room which is on the Criterion channel right now and was directed by Alex Ross Perry who you may know as a filmmaker himself And uh, it's a cool little documentary that kind of walks through his time, I think, uh, a little on set and then in post of First Reformed and just, you know, just gets he's always full of of quotes, Mr. Schrader. And he doesn't disappoint in that documentary. It's a nice little short thing you can check out there if you're so inclined and you should be. And then uh, I watched a movie called The Souvenir, which was a movie from last year, and the director, Joanna Hogg, uh, who's a British director. You know anything about this movie, Craig? I
1: don't. I haven't heard the name before.
0: It's an A24 movie, Craig, and I know that because I listened to uh, Joanna Hogg and Martin Scorsese talk to one another on the A24 podcast. Oh. And I didn't know anything about this movie or really about her as a filmmaker, but it was a very interesting conversation, and she made this movie... Almost as, I don't want to say strict autobiography, but very heavily influenced by her own experience as a film student and who was in, I believe, that's based on her, a rather toxic relationship, but a very interesting and complicated one. And the actor um, who plays this man I thought was quite good. His name is, I'm going to find it here, Tosin Cole.
1: That sounds like a made-up name, I'm going to be honest with you.
0: Well, it's not the right one, so yeah, good. of good. course, don't have these in the order that would make any sort of sense. Tom Burke is the actor's name. He's been in some other things, but he's got a really interesting presence in this movie, as does the lead, who is Tilda Swinton's daughter, Honor Swinton Byrne.
1: Honor right. Swinton, wow.
0: Her mother is also in this movie, and it moves at a very leisurely pace. It is on Amazon Prime right now, and I found it quite interesting. You kind of got to go along for the ride if you're going to get into it, but uh, it's worth checking out. I also watched Tangerine, finally. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, Sean Baker's debut feature, I believe, but notable for being one of the first kind of movies to gain notoriety for being shot up on an iPhone. Back in 2015, and he also did The Florida Project more recently. Although this movie was great and very, very different from The Florida Project in almost every way.
1: Oh, wow. I really like The Florida Project.
0: Yeah, you should check this out because I was kind of expecting a similar sort of like tone Mm -hmm. or pace or style. And boy, Tangerine is, is the opposite of that. It, it's really kind of um, fast-paced and moves, and there's a lot of stylistic things going on, some big, big music cues. Uh, it's worth a check out. Heck yeah. And then last but not least, I watched, I was going to say rewatch, but I can't quite say that because the first time I watched it, I fell asleep and didn't ever finish it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's because this movie is roughly 496 days long, and that is Mary Poppins Returns. which i don't know if you've seen or not or maybe you've seen some of it and did never finish it because it feels like it's never ending well Uh, mary poppins returns yeah yeah this time i don't know i i i appreciated parts of it more this time in the sense that it really does it feels like a throwback musical in a lot of ways um sure and that they it, it it moves at that pace. They hold their shots. You got a whole title sequence where my daughter was asking, "When is the movie going to start? What's-? <laughs> and uh, we made it through it. Some of the songs are really long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like Emily Blunt in that movie, though. I thought she's great. Ben Whishaw I like as well.
1: Yeah, it has a fantastic cast. Yeah. What do you make of that movie? Uh, I, I I have only seen bits of it. I, I would only come okay. in on Tuesdays and Thursdays while the kids were watching it. So. <laughs> When was the last time you watched the original Mary Poppins?
0: I don't even remember.
1: Okay. Because that movie is, I mean, that movie exists mostly, it has a wonderful cast, first of all. Like, there's no question the cast sure. of the original Mary Poppins is amazing. But it's really all about that it has real catchy songs and a lot of cool effects. Yeah. Because story-wise, I don't know what's going on in that movie like it, it, as far as this being a sequel and sort of feeling like where are we right now like what <laughs> what is the yeah. purpose of what's going on now i don't know it's it's i kind of wonder if it didn't grab me mainly because everything is effects now like just everything is just mm-hmm. perfect effects and there and there's almost nothing to kind of say oh well that's a really that's amazing that i'm seeing this happen right now but again, yeah. I mean, winning cast, and if you like the songs, then, I mean, no reason you shouldn't like that movie, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do like some of the songs uh, that I've heard mm-hmm. while not watching the movie. Sure. It's, I, I think you can appreciate them uh, on their own. Um, there's some gorgeous effects in here, some some neat animations, some mm-hmm. like actual, well, it looks like cell animation, although I'm sure it's oh, that's not, awesome. um, moments in here. Uh it's just, yeah, for me, it's it's a pacing thing, and, and the story's okay.
1: It's right. okay. Well, I mean, yeah, but the, yeah, the original Mary Poppins, like the pace is, it's really strange. Yeah. It's well, really Well, maybe strange. they
0: really honored the original. Then, then I, I, just, I guess they did. <laughs> I should check it out again sometime, yeah. or, or not. Anyway, yeah. mm-hmm. that's my list. Uh, what do you got on yours?
1: I'm only going to name one movie I watched, because it's the movie that I'm proudest of having watched. Oh, wow uh I finally watched moonlight. I was saying before that oh, good. I was okay yeah going back in time to watch things that everyone loved. Yeah, yeah and I, I think I did this one exactly right because this was like, so great. like it was so yeah. so great and and I remember so many times sitting down thinking maybe I'll watch this right now and having no real concept of what it was going to be at all mm-hmm. and and because of that kind of feeling like I don't really want to watch a tiny drama right now like I, I, yeah. I don't know you know how much attention it's going to demand of me and so on and it definitely does demand some attention but uh i mean man it just pulled me all the way through the the performances are great the casting is great even just mm. in just in the faces of that of that main character of of uh, uh who is it Chiron yeah um, oh my god yeah i mean l- l- there's even a continuity just to how the the dude looks like yeah. like yeah you look like somebody who would have been that kid from the middle part and from that kid at, at the beginning and i mean just just super heartbreaking and 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 just a lot of like joy to it and uh man yeah it was a it was it was a real experience man that was a, that was some good stuff
0: yeah and isn't it interesting to see that now that you've seen the movie we did last year uh Medicine for Melancholy uh, oh yeah Harry jenkins first movie, which is so so different Yeah, <laughs> small way small yeah and, um, just cool exactly well, I'm, I'm excited for you to see uh if bill street could talk now
1: yeah i should be seeing that some about 2025 <laughs> it's
0: gonna be a good good year that year hopefully <laughs> good Ugh, the, the music is so good in that movie i was listening to the score the other day anyway oh, wow. um yeah was it anything else
1: nope i'm gonna leave it at that this time <laughs>
0: Well, that is kind of the perfect movie, then, to segue to Tokyo in the sense that Moonlight is almost a triptych uh, in its construction, and that's what we have for people today. As we mentioned last time, this is a cinematic triptych of three Tokyo-set stories, so it is indeed an anthology from three globally acclaimed directors you may have heard of, Michelle Gondry, Leos Karex, and Bong Joon-ho. So this is Tokyo with an exclamation point, although for some reason the exclamation point is not on the Tokyo poster that IMDb has, mm-hmm. although it's definitely in the film and the title credits.
1: Maybe it should be a question mark.
0: Tokyo? Mm-hmm. Okay. I kind of wanted to do our scenario where you and I are in an elevator and in 2008, although it somehow feels wrong. <laughs> because yeah. Because I feel like this movie didn't... That's not the kind of pitching that would have happened right Right. so let's say we're in like um uh we're having lunch in like uh well i was gonna say italy but that feels insensitive right now Mm.
1: yeah well 2008 i mean let's
0: yeah 2008 italy uh we just went to a film festival screening we're out in a cafe i'm Whatever studio possibly produced this, I don't know. Uh, let's just say I got some money. Okay. And uh, you are going to be three different directors, but you're going to speak as one. Mm-hmm. Pitch me, tell me why you, what this movie is.
1: Okay. Uh, Tokyo, it's, it's, here's the deal. Here's I'll, why well, hang on. I'm
0: going to get a cappuccino first.
1: Uh, okay. okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you you, you are you are uh, uh, anxiously awaiting a croissant yes. and you've got your Blackberry in your hand. Yeah, everyone else is they can't wait for an iPhone to be invented.
0: People are pumped about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, here's the deal. We're going to get it's, it's the three of us. Mm. Me and these two guys—we're—we're we're three of the probably the most exciting directors right now. That people kind of—we're like on the edge, you know. We're on the—we're just about to break.
0: So you're not you quite know? exciting yet,
1: right? But <laughs> but you might but be. Believe might me, be. the stuff—the stuff. Well, I mean, Michelle is going to like carry yeah. the burden, right? Okay. I mean, yeah, everybody's sure. going to go in for his name. A few people know, uh, June here, yeah, and uh, Leos. I mean, you know, he's he's like the he's like the black sheep of the family. We're gonna throw him in there just to like. <laughs> shake everything up. He's just going to be like, whoa, whoa, "Whoa, you're not even going to know what to think after his part." But here's the deal. So then we have these three uh we, there'll be it'll be sort of an anthology movie, these three unconnected stories, right? I know you're salivating right now. Mm. And uh and what it's going to be, they're all going to be set in Tokyo, and they're, the first one's going to be about these uh this this these this couple. Uh no. No. Nope. Uh, I take that back. The first one's <laughs> gonna be about this uh woman who is kind of starting to question uh you know her relationship and and kind of where she fits in the world and everything. Hmm. And the second one's gonna be about a guy who comes out of the sewer. Did you see Holy motors by any chance?
0: uh well, I'm looking forward to it four years from now, but yeah. okay,
1: well, in that case <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. I mean you're it's a right good title. Yeah, I just got back from the from the future. Oh, okay. So the second one's about a guy who lives in the sewers and what kind of you know mayhem that kind of uh, that kind of thing could uh, could bring up. You know, if he came out of the sewer and then okay. interacted with people, but he wasn't super nice about it. And then the third one, the big, the big, the big finale, right, is a shut-in, a guy who's kind of a hermit, uh, deciding to leave uh, where he uh, where he lives to save another person from becoming a hermit. Hmm. I mean, that's that's 2008 in, 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 in a nutshell, right? I mean, that's, that's the times we live in right now. Okay. So uh, anyway, if you'll uh, give us the check, we'll start it uh, immediately.
0: And uh, you got a title?
1: Yeah. So it's called Tokyo, but sometimes it's called Tokyo with an exclamation point.
0: I was just going to say, put an exclamation point on it, and you got yourself a deal.
1: Oh, vigorous handshake, check being handed over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting, though. They're like, yeah, I pitched the nuggets of these three stories, and they sound almost impossibly small for the scope of these directors, I think. And uh, there's certainly more to them than what you pitched. I like that. You left something up for the... uh, For the viewer to discover and that's part of i would say why you would get in business with these three directors is Mm -hmm. they're going to take something like that nugget and go in various directions with it real quickly i want to point out that i don't think either one of us mentioned last time maybe we did maybe we didn't leos Mm -hmm. carex directed the movie the lovers on the bridge which i know if paul papadeus is listening to this right now he's jumping off a bridge uh, because we didn't mention it. I know he loves that movie. So uh, I haven't seen it. I Need to Do It. Denny Levant is in that as well. Uh, uh, Julia Benoche, So it's on my list from the 90s. But Craig. Mm. Okay, so yeah, we were hyped about this movie because of those three and the idea of three stories set in Tokyo and, and all of that. Did it kind of live up to uh, the promise of that, just that very sort of pitch there? For you? Yes.
1: Yes. I mean, I, I had no idea what to expect from Leos Carax. Right. But from the other two, I had... <laughs> do you had... still
0: have no idea what to expect from him based on <laughs> well, this?
1: well, Well, that's the thing. Having watched this and then having seen the trailer for Holy Motors, I feel like I know exactly what to expect from him.
0: <laughs> you do and you don't, but it is the same yeah. character. Uh, and I don't even know yeah. if we mentioned... I don't think I mentioned that either, but that is, no. is interesting to see that carry over and we'll get into that in a little bit. And I want to mention something from the, the Bong Joon section too, but um, we'll we'll get to all that. You continue
1: now. Well, yeah, but, but I think no matter what, uh, that I got sort of the, you know, some undiluted, uh, short films from these directors Mm -hmm. who, you know, kind of are known for delivering a certain kind of feeling and a certain, you know, style with their work, and I think, I mean, I think they did it beautifully, and, and in ways that I haven't seen them necessarily do exactly before, so good surprising stuff, um, a good mix altogether. Uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty pleased. What about you?
0: Very pleased. Uh, you know, I think we kind of ended that tee up with me talking about how I, I tend to like the idea of these anthology films better than the reality of the ones I've seen, And this might be one of the first ones that I can really think of where I'm like, no, that was really good all the way through. I think, um, your mileage is going to vary specifically with the Carrick section. I think it it is, Mm -hmm. I think, hands down the weirdest of the three, Yes, which may be saying something depending on kind of what, well, we'll, we got to get to the Michelle Gondry thing for sure. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's just, it's a departure in a lot of ways from the other two and by the end of it though i was like i don't know man uh, there's something same with holy motors like there's something to it though, that is just mm-hmm. kind of fascinating and it's oddness but on the whole very very pleased and exactly what you said the michelle Condry thing was was different than kind of what i expected from him and the bon joon ho thing was different than what i expected from him and uh, I just, I didn't know enough about Kirix to really have solid expectations for that. So right. yeah, it was neat to see them uh, do something a little different. And specifically with Bon Joon-ho, you know, that quote we read last time about like how he dabbles in the universal language of genre. I don't, I don't think he necessarily did that this time, actually, you know?
1: Not really, no. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, like it felt like it was verging on something. I, yeah. I thought I knew what that one was going to be. I did too. And and the and then it sort of didn't quite materialize. So, absolutely. Un, unless that was kind of the ghost that you were supposed to be seeing, like the shadow you were supposed to be seeing cast across it somehow. But yeah, I don't know.
0: I don't. I don't know. Well, I want to ask you this: mm. Do you have a favorite of the three?
1: I mean, the first and the third one are real close together. Mm-hmm. I, I I might I might even go for Bang Jun's like made nose out that that interior design interesting yeah and 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 mainly because i think as much as i was enjoying that one at the beginning i feel like it it meandered a bit before it kind of like caught me up in it i guess yeah is the thing so but uh whereas the other one was just immediately i was just like this is a this is an interesting world and i mean so many uh like so many rules and things to set up, and just set up so efficiently and quickly, and oh, God, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I dug it, and, w- and with very little dialogue. I guess there's a lot of uh, uh, voiceover in that mm-hmm. one, but but yeah, good stuff. What about you?
0: I think I'm probably in Gondry's camp on this, mm-hmm. and uh, it is is it's kind of interesting though in that. I sort of have more questions about his in a weird way than the other two as mm. far as, like, what it means and, like, the metaphor, mm. which we'll get to in a second. And Bong Joon-ho's, like, I, I did, I really liked, but I, I think, you know, it would be worth seeing again just because I did. I was expecting it to sort of take a turn. Yeah. And then with the Karek's one, though, like, that is the one that to me was the most surprising, like it just, I did not know where it was going to go. And then it would, it really went to some places that sure, as weird as the Gondry one ends up being, uh, boy, I think the Karek's one, like the, there's just some sequences. I'm like, this is great. Like, I don't know what it is. Crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. So there was that. And so I want to follow up this question, Craig, with, do you think these three directors or any time in anthology, do you think there's like a sense of competition between them? Or do you think they care?
1: I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know that there is. That would be interesting to find out. If, like even if an they unspoken kind of one? Like, you know,
0: like you're just well, you're in your ego somewhere. Like,
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess you probably do want, you know, a certain you, you you, want yours to kind of be the, you know, hey, it was a good movie, but we all know yours was the best one.
0: Because uh, in every single review, that it, it happens. Every single sure. one I looked at, it was like, well, this was sort of the weakest of the three, you know?
1: Well, and I guess that kind of brings up the ultimate question of it, which is, do these three movies need to be together? Like, do they have to exist with each other? And do do they affect each other? Could you have switched them around in different places and it wouldn't have mattered? I don't know that they feed off each other.
0: Let's let's tackle that uh one at a time here. Yeah. Uh, do you think switching these around would change the overall impact
1: of it? Well, I mean the only thing I could think honestly is if you had mared at the end, mm-hmm. I th- I don't think I would have liked the movie. I I don't think I would have like left that viewing experience feeling wow. like yeah, that was, it's that in, was in the perfect great.
0: spot. Totally agree. Like it's got to be the yeah. middle movie, I think.
1: <laughs> because yeah, it just feels like things uh, like uh, unwinding, like things just like coming apart.
0: It doesn't. I mean, it it looks so different than the other two as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's like part of it just looks like it was shot on video camera, you know? Like right. A, <laughs> yeah, intentionally too, I think. But
1: right, and yeah. and the, the the main characters are not Japanese. And, okay, but you know, what about like
0: story wise? Do you think flipping the Gondry and the Bon Joon Ho? Do you think those
1: would that affect things at all? I, I mean. I guess the Bong Joon-ho has the happy ending if any of these have a happy ending.
0: Well, it also has I think a wider ending in the sense that you there's like a bigger sense of Tokyo a little bit.
1: True. Because true. the
0: the Gondry one sort of gets progressively smaller a little bit, a little more insulated. Um, yes, it does. And and yet the uh the Carex one is the one that deals with the widest scope of Tokyo because um, of the newscast, mm-hmm. if nothing else. But, yeah, I think yeah. it's, I don't know. I think the order is right. Maybe let's just do this. Mm-hmm. we read some of the reviews. There's themes that are, like, common throughout these things. But, yeah, as far as making, like, a single comment on Tokyo <laughs> uh, or any sort of, like, big thread connecting the three of these do you have a, a take on that i or mean is there that
1: one that's the thing i don't really I, I my brain if you have met it um heard of it heard of it yeah well it wanted to make Mared more of a comment on japanese society or something yeah which the more i thought about it the less. I believe that that's what it was. (laughs) It's
0: it's tricky because he's a French director, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I I couldn't, I I was just like, it it lends itself to it to a certain degree because it's like, here's this character who comes out of the Tokyo sewers and just wreaks havoc. And so it's, and it kind of feels like, oh, it's all that stuff that Tokyo society has kind of kept down in the sewers and now it's coming out to, you know? Yeah. But then, yeah, I don't, if that if that is what it was i i the the more it went on the the less i understood what that was about so i don't know i like i, I don't know what they all add up to i could see uh maybe um an order where maybe it went mared to shaking tokyo to interior design and just got smaller each time mhm but man i don't know like i don't i don't know if i see a clear it's not it's not a celebration of tokyo i don't feel like It's mostly, you know, boy, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would be really interesting to get a Japanese person's perspective on this. Because you you could make the argument that, you know, there's a lot about class going on in the Gondry film where uh, these two young people, like, can't afford to basically live on their own and it just Mm -hmm. goes downhill from there. Um, And there's all these sort of, like, systems in play where... You know, you got to have this to get a job, and then getting an apartment is this whole other experience. It's not great, and then you get your car towed and impounded, and you got to pay the fine. And there's all that, and then even trying to become an artist within that is obviously uh, a big play in that story and very difficult. And then, yeah, married. There's a lot of commentary going on uh, on the Japanese people there, even from the creature himself. Like when he's on trial in court and is translated as saying, I don't like people. And among people, the Japanese are the most disgusting. Right. And they live too long and their eyes are shaped like a woman's sex. <laughs> and oh. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe, like I would not yeah. have the guts to put that in there coming out of a, a, a French person's mouth, you know. <laughs> and then in the Bon Joon-ho section, yeah, it, it's really like telling people don't become shut-ins. Like don't give in to that side of the society where... There is this thing that happens, I guess, where these people are called uh, hikikomoros. I think it was mm-hmm. hikikomoros, where the people that sh- like willingly isolate themselves from society, and you know, there's plenty of stories on the internet about these these people yeah. who do that. Um, and the story I think is ultimately about you know trying to pull people away from that and sort of show them you know connecting to other human beings has a, a lot of value. So that yeah, that does sort of leave you in a a weird place where it's like, well, okay, like yeah, I guess I guess you're saying that about us, but uh, (laughs) you're not one of us. So I don't know how that sits uh, with the people who are from you know they may like look at this go, yep, yep, okay, like that's yeah, yeah, you're holding up a mirror to us, and uh, and we're just not you know privy to that because we've never been there or lived there. Sure, I don't know, and maybe that's just something we don't really need to do. These are just three short films that have them to be set there and tell stories there, but it's kind of impossible not to want to do that. I think.
1: Well, I mean, the way you just described it though, it does make a little more sense. You know, yeah, that, that, that first short being about, yeah, these people who are just trying to exist in Tokyo and it's so hard. And this one particular character who just kind of feels worthless. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And and the way she ends up, you know, feeling useful is still kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, then you have this kind of horrifying middle act <laughs> where like crazy shit happens. Yeah, people like die. a lot of people get hurt and, and it's, and, and then at the end it's like, oh, that, I don't even know if that's over now. I like, I, I think that, that danger is still out there. And then, yeah, then you end with this guy who's just like, I'm just going to hide out in my house And then when he kind of has these feelings for this woman, he's like, he can't allow her like he thinks of himself hiding out as as basically a mistake. Like he just thinks like it's it's actually not good, but he just doesn't have the power to get out of the house until he has to save somebody else. And so in doing so in that world where you have a mared running around with a bunch of grenades, (laughs) yeah. Is yeah, seems like a pretty brave thing. So maybe maybe there is more Mr. I'm sorry, Doctor (laughs) Mared. But but m- maybe there's a little more connective tissue than, there than than I was thinking before, yeah, and yeah, they don't even but they don't even flow into each other. I mean they, they are presented yeah. as separate movies,
0: very separate,
1: which, which I was kind of surprised by that I'd even get like credits between them and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate that, actually. I like how it works yeah. that way. I think that keeps you in the movie very well. Well, let's dig into the Gondry section interior design a little bit more um because there there's certainly more to this story and i just right off the bat the character of hiroko uh played by ayako fujitani fujitani excuse mm-hmm. me i oh, thought that actress was great so yeah. good she is really good um but yes we have a young couple who uh are showing up in the city and staying with one of hiroko's friends akimi and hiroko and her boyfriend akira you get the impression that they want to make movies uh akira has made one and it's not good (laughs) Uh, he shows uh these two women this movie at this uh woman akimi's very tiny apartment and they both fall asleep and then as soon as it's (laughs) over wake up and immediately start clapping which is great oh yeah um really like that but you know it is sort of That's a very familiar, I think, Western situation. I've kind of done it myself, Mm -hmm. you know, as you move to Hollywood or California and you sleep on your friend's couch for a couple of weeks or New York or, you know, any one of these places where you've got ambition and dreams. And, uh, you know, trying to get settled there is difficult and takes a little time. And when you're in a very cramped space, yeah, even your friends are like, yeah, maybe it's time to, uh, (laughs) how long are you going to be staying here? So that's all happening, and that's the real setup. And uh, as they sort of try to adjust and find a place on their own, you're, you're getting the impression that Hiroko is not content with her situation with her boyfriend. Um, and he's not mean necessarily, but he does accuse her of not having ambition. And right. she says she likes to do a lot of things, and the things she describes... He says those are hobbies. And, you know, it gets into an interesting place there where it's talking about, you know, hobbies versus like ambition and careers and dreams and things like that, which feels very prevalent for somebody who makes movies for a living to want to talk about, right? Yeah. Um, You know, taking that leap. I think she starts to feel increasingly alone and it becomes clear that her friend, Akimi, is not really a fan of having her there and thinks that she's being lazy and this all sort of culminates in a screening of Akira's movie at a porn theater where people show up and it seems like he's sort of being at least lied to uh, that people liked his movie Right. and it's really tough to segue to what kind of happens next, the big thing that happens but there's a day after this where Hiroko is by herself in the apartment, and I think she goes to brush her teeth and notices light coming through her shirt and then realizes that she literally has a hole in her chest. And it's not just a clear hole, although it's a large one. It looks weird. Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out exactly what's going on. No. But she leaves the apartment and is frantically kind of looking around I think she's trying to go uh get akira or get medicine i can't remember exactly but soon enough one of her legs we realize has turned into a wooden peg of sorts that kind of looks like a chair leg and then slowly although not slow she begins to transform into a wooden chair it's a really cool effect I thought seeing this woman who looks like a woman and a human up top and uh, her legs are turning into chair legs and then slowly her torso does as well and then there's just a chair sitting there in the middle of the road and a homeless person tries to take it away and she turns back into a human and runs away but she's naked and then she hides in a bus stop and then she turns into a chair when someone else comes Uh, and then she's running from other people and she turns into a chair and this guy with a banjo case takes her home to his apartment, and he has a really nice apartment, and uh, it becomes a situation where she's basically hiding out as a chair in this apartment. Yeah. And it ends with her writing a letter to Akira and kind of explaining that now she's doing all the things that she ever wanted to. And I really... Well, I, and that I,
1: she's useful.
0: She's she she found has a, a way a, to be useful. Yeah. She has a purpose, and I guess that is... I guess that's the metaphor. It's like a, it's yeah. a, a chair does one thing, but it does it well, right? You, It's there. When you need a chair, you need a chair, right?
1: Right. It's like, she's not, she's not somebody's burden. Right. She, she doesn't have to figure out what to do with her life. Like she will turn into a chair and she'll be a person's chair, which is, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very sad sort of thing. Like she, like as described, it's, of it's, a very sort of settling thing. It's not like you feel like she's happy at the end of this. It's not like she finally found her true joy. She's just happy that she found a way to do something that no one could like criticize her for.
0: And it's so funny. Like they did such a great job with the shots of like him sitting at his chair in this chair at his computer and no clue that like you can see her face right behind her and he's just, yeah. just looking over. <laughs> and like then so one... simple. Yeah. yeah. And it, it
1: just totally works. It's great. Yeah.
0: One time she's in the tub and then he walks in and uh yeah, there's just a chair in the bathtub with water. Yeah. <laughs> it is a it's a strange metaphor. Like I didn't quite piece it together exactly what the point of it was, just because it was thrown by how unexpected it was, I guess. Oh um, yeah. Because he really does a, a fantastic job of if they're there, I didn't pick up on them, but I didn't sense a lot of clues that this kind of thing, which is a very kind of Gondry thing, right, was going to happen. Like, he almost lulled me into thinking, oh, this is going to be a pretty straight movie from Michelle Gondry right. here right. about these two young people, and one of them wants to be a filmmaker, and one of them's just kind of trying to find herself. I guess it still is, but it does have that, that thing that he's kind of known for, uh, ultimately, in that last sort of, I mean, it's maybe like a five- 10 minute stretch maybe of the section there yeah i thought it was really cool it's a small story and yet it kind of has this bigger thing to it it's uh it's not a wide panoramic view of tokyo by any sense but i like the stuff that he shows i like that they get their car gets towed and when she comes back to discover this it's gone but the police have left a message in chalk on the pavement about where to go and everything and i'm like that's so smart. Like, uh, Yeah. I wonder if they actually do that. I'm sure they do, or why we don't do that elsewhere. Right. I thought it was probably, I don't know, it's a tough call, but probably my favorite looking of the three. What about you? Favorite moment from this or anything
1: like that? I did especially like when the she's turned into a chair and a guy's taking her home to use whenever he's playing music and so on. And when he comes home and finds the chair in the bathtub— his reaction. They cut to him, sort of wiping the chair down, kind of in a caring way, mm-hmm. like he's taking care of this chair. And again, that like makes me feel sad again for her, where it just seems like now that she's a chair, <laughs> like she's really truly appreciated. And that is, and I mean, maybe that's just more of a, you know, a comment on you know how some relationships go, or you know, it's brought up at some point in the, in the short about how creative types, their relationships, there's always like one person who, you know, is the one who ends up being like unappreciated or invisible or so on. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it does seem like she's somewhat content with that, but at the same time, I I don't know. It just, it's, it's seems so heartbreaking to me, but I, I I love that, that bit. Yeah. It is
0: interesting that she, is essentially choosing to stay there and kind of exist predominantly as a chair because she can turn back into a human. Mm -hmm. I mean, she does at will, uh, but whenever someone's around, I think she goes into chair mode. Uh, (laughs) Chair mode. Which is like the weirdest Transformer ever, right? (laughs) No, I just thought it was great. There's a really well-done sequence where... Well, A, they both look at apartments, and one time they're in this apartment that has like a frosted glass balcony door, and they open it up, and there's a dead cat like right beside uh, <laughs> yeah. the air condenser unit. Then Hiroki goes to look at apartments by herself while Akira is working his job uh, wrapping gifts uh, very efficiently. There was, <laughs> There's like one little visual gag in that entire montage, and it's when like Hiroko is opening up a cabinet and like, you know, sometimes the doors just stick a little bit and she pulls it open and accidentally hits like the landlord right in the head with it. It's just done so well. Like it's not like broad slapstick or anything, but it's it's a nice little gag. It made me laugh there. It's really interesting. There's some good lines of dialogue in there. Uh, one of the guys at the car impound lot says about his boss, I hate him. He's a cavity. And then she asks, he's got bad teeth. He's like, no, his whole body's a cavity. He's like, (laughs) you know, he's an empty hole of a person basically. Um, And yes, you're right. There was a moment where a woman comes up to Hiroko at the screening and talks about dating an artist and says like, she realized that his art was more important than my problems. And that woman, I think, is still with that person. Yeah. So that was like a real wake up call. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting. and something I'm sure Gondry must have some.
1: He probably has a lot of chairs around his house.
0: Uh, do you think uh, Leos Carex has a lot of experience with Mayard?
1: Yes. Uh, as far as I know, he actually was raised in a sewer. Really? He's a Ninja Turtle? Mm-hmm. He is Leonardo. Ah, I think. that makes sense. That makes now. sense.
0: The, yeah, this is a crazy movie. I mean, it, it's harder to describe more than kind of what you did, um, except for, you know, I think stylistically, it, it may be kind of, again, important to say, like, and there's a lot of stuff that feels like actual guerrilla-style Man on the Street where there's some really long tracking takes of Denny Levant walking at a very fast clip, just down the sidewalk, block after block. And he is dressed mostly throughout this film in almost like a green, velvety suit, but very, it doesn't fit right. He appears to not have on any shirt underneath the suit jacket. Mm -hmm. His toenails and his fingernails are as nasty as you could possibly imagine. Very, very long. He's got an orangey reddish weird beard. Are the Oompa Loompas? They had green hair, right?
1: Yeah. I think they were orange with green hair.
0: Okay. So he's like green with orange hair. Um, But he's got this wispy goatee that goes in one direction. Hair's all over the place. One like almost solid white milky eye. And the other is constantly looking in a different direction. And, as off his rocker as you could possibly imagine. He's grabbing flowers and money out of people's hands and eating them. And I think he grabs a cigarette at one point and then throws it in a baby stroller. I don't know. You tell me. It, it felt like people were reacting to him on the street as if they were seeing him and not realizing that a movie was being shot.
1: Yes, there were definitely some bits. There seemed to be one bit where someone was like sheltering a child from a <laughs> It certainly seemed like there were people who were yeah, on the street who were not prepared for that.
0: But then you spend time in the sewer with this guy. There's stuff with the, the the newscast we cut too frequently where they're talking about this creature from the sewer and trying to figure out who he is and where he came from. And then I don't even remember what props this, if anything, does. But we discover him in what appears to be like a war bunker of some kind under, underneath Tokyo. And he finds a box of live grenades and so he mm-hmm. goes back up uh street side and just starts chucking grenades as he walks and i love how they did that i mean you kind of don't see any one real explosion like it's just sort of happening in the background with light and flashes and you know there is yeah. some cutting but i don't know it's so cool for it seems like it was shot for a penny almost uh, in a weird way.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it could be done pretty cheap. You don't even really see things being thrown.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just, it's a really stylistic choice to do something that's kind of that big in action the way it's done. He goes back to the sewer, is completely naked as he sleeps, and the police or military police find him, tase him, and say what you want... There is no phoning in of any performance in this part by Denny Levant. I mean, he's full frontal for many minutes being dragged around by cops.
1: Oh, you get a nice long look.
0: I don't know. I I just, like, you can't turn away from it. Like, it's just so crazy. Yeah. And then
1: he goes on trial,
0: and there's a man in, uh, I forget, uh, he was French, I guess, Mr. Voland, who (laughs) is an older gentleman who's a lawyer but has the exact same look as the creature from the sewer and claims yes. that he can communicate
1: with this guy even though he's never met them. Would you like... Well, and I would point out he has the exact same look. Clearly, he is from a similar source except that like his facial hair and his eye are the mirror opposite.
0: His beard goes camera left and uh, Denny Levant's beard goes camera right. That's right. <laughs> it's so weird. So do you want to describe how they communicate? Can you describe how they communicate?
1: Yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of gestures that are obviously a part of it. There's there's something constantly where like you touch your top yeah. lip and do something and smack yourself and talk in gibberish and sometimes it's even maybe the way your 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 body moves around an area like it's it's a full body language. Yes that's going on and they're pretty convincing the way they uh, talk to each other. Like Denny, I guess that's actually, I'll leave it at that. They're very convincing (laughs) the way they talk to each other. They
0: are. And they have to be, because there's some really long sequences where they go back and forth at this. And then they have a third party translator during uh, the court sequence where the creature is sort of like facing his maker here and spouts all the stuff that he says about Japanese people. He is right. facing the death penalty, potentially, but he does not want to die. He says he loves life, I think, which is maybe there's some thematic essence in here in, in that line. I don't know. But he is ultimately sentenced to hang. Right. I think he re- he requests his last meal uh, to be flowers and cash, which I thought, <laughs> thought was funny. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yes, three years later, he is hung, although he does struggle a bit before he dies. And in the viewing room, uh, Mr. Voland is there and a small group of people. And Maird comes back a little bit after. He- yes. Well, I can't leave this out. The way he is pronounced dead, two doctors enter the room, and one of them is carrying a step stool. And that's because uh, the other doctor is a, is a little person who climbs up the step stool mm-hmm. and uses a stethoscope to uh, listen to uh, the creature's heart. And says he's dead. Mm-hmm. And then they both turn around, walk back out silently, never say.
1: <laughs>
0: Almost a Lynchian moment, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and it, it continues its Lynchian moments, yes. I feel like. And I'm wondering, did I interpret this moment correctly?
0: Ooh, I don't know if I even have an interpretation, so I'm okay. dying to know what you think.
1: Okay. Well, so yeah, so he's, he's pronounced dead. He walks out. A- as I remember the, it playing out, you see the audience, and some of the audience is like, looks at him very intently and they all seem very surprised except for Voland. Mm-hmm. And when you cut back to Mered, it looked to me, and this is, and, and I thought this was very funny, so I hope this is what was actually happening because <laughs> I was really enjoying this moment. <laughs> okay. it, it seems like Mered is still hanging there, but he's sort of like scratching an itch that's on his knee. That's how I took it. That he was just like, yeah, that. you're not going to kill me with this. So he's scratching an itch on his knee and then, yeah. and then he looks up into another corner of the room behind the, the audience, and they all kind of turn around, except for Voland again. They all turn around and look behind them at where he's looking, and when they look back to him, he's gone.
0: Well, and they look in the corner of the room, there's like a drainage or like a ventilation pipe yeah. or something. Yeah. Yes. And then they cut back and he's gone. I can't remember, did they cut back to the pipe again and that it was like open or something or maybe not but i either way i think the implication is like yeah he's gone and back into the sewer somewhere right uh traveling through the ether perhaps i don't know
1: like he's not going to uh he doesn't play by the rules of man somehow no he uh, can't
0: flush the poop away completely you know yeah
1: and there's only what was it again there's only like four of these people in existence I
0: can't remember, but it was it was funny during the newscast that uh, there were people that sort of, you know, were were definitely in favor of seeing him hang because of what he did with the grenades, but then there were others that were, like, starting to idolize him a little bit, yeah. <laughs> including, like, this group of what looked to be, like, monks who were all Japanese but had dyed their hair, you know, orange and and put on the green uh, kimonos. Yeah. There's also a, a little bit of almost like immigration policy in there. Um they talk about how this incident caused, you know, them to, you know, demand stricter immigration laws and there were a couple like Orange hair white people who had been beaten up um, yeah. by, by Japanese people. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a little commentary in there, but I'm I'm definitely hesitant to
1: Does it carry all the way through? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, to, to put too much on there as far as it being any sort of like literal versus satirical, I guess. Right. I don't know. I really don't I don't have a great grasp on what the key takeaway is in terms of a societal thing from this section, just as I mentioned, I have no clue what Holy Motors was really about, I don't think. So, (laughs) smarter people than us, you can fill us in, I think, right?
1: Perhaps, perhaps.
0: Well, let's talk about Shaking Tokyo a little bit. I I think you're, you know, kind of the synopsis you gave in your pitch is is really pretty much it. Um, The girl that, the lead in this film, whose name is, what is that guy's name? Do you remember?
1: The lead is... Did
0: they say? No.
1: No, I don't think so. I can't
0: even remember because he speaks in voiceover. Nobody really calls him by name, I don't think. Um, He meets the girl by ordering pizza, and she delivers it. I thought it was kind of funny in that his house is so neatly organized, and he tends to save everything, I guess, to avoid having to throw out garbage. I'm not sure. There are stacks of pizza boxes everywhere. Yeah, Pizza's End is the name of the pizza company, and I don't remember if that was the name of the pizza company in Parasite, but certainly.
1: I was going to say it's interesting that pizza has played uh, played such a role in this one.
0: I know, and because now I'm like happen. wondering, like if there, if anybody knows, like if he's used that in any of his other films, or, or not. Like I'd be curious to know, but it is kind of, it's fun to see sort of like the germs of of Parasite perhaps and Holy Motors like taking place in this movie that, again, I don't know a single other person who's seen this. Yeah. But, yeah, so interesting things about this girl, and this is kind of some of the stuff that I want to get into, is, you know, he goes through his routine. His life is very regimented. Every Friday he orders pizza. Like He hasn't made eye contact with anybody in 10 years. Delivery people shows up. He gives them the money. His eyes are on the ground. They leave the goods. They go. This time his eyes are on the ground he notices that the delivery person has a garter on and very short shorts and like knee-high socks. And so he looks up, and he makes eye contact with her. And these delivery people are wearing these funky little red helmets. And the world begins to shake. I took that as literal, that there's literally an earthquake happening. Yeah. By the end, there's definitely a little earthquake happening. So I, I assumed that that was not happening in his mind. She faints I believe, and falls to the floor.
1: That's what it seems to happen.
0: As he looks at her, he's like trying to figure out like, what he does with this because, again, he's lived a decade with no contact with anyone and then suddenly there's this very real person right here who's kind of helpless. Um, he notices what we find out later are things that she has painted on the skin of her arm which look like little computer buttons or machine buttons. And they have words written beside them. I think one of them's like happiness, love. One of them, I think, said coma. Yes. And maybe that was the one on her leg. That, but anyway, the the button on the leg looks like a power button on like a Mac or something like right. years ago. And so he presses that button. There's a weird little shot of her hairs sticking up briefly, and then she she comes to. Yes. Does okay. What is what is that about, Craig? Because that I I don't quite understand i don't have a good
1: read on that i mean i didn't really either my feeling was that she had all these tattoos on herself and that this guy who had had no contact with people for so long and just had absolutely no you know social skills whatsoever this girl has passed out in his place which is already nerve-wracking for him mm-hmm. and i i like, I, I think he's just like, like he, he, he tries a couple other things to try to get her to wake up things that you would normally do, maybe without actually touching her, which is, I think, what he doesn't want to do.
0: Oh, he sprays mist on her. Remember, he
1: sprays mist on her. Exactly. And he, and he tries to, you know, hey, you know, what's, you know, wake up, whatever. And then finally, he sees this thing that looks like a button. And that's when he actually touches her. And it's it's honestly it's in a fairly compromising place. You wouldn't yeah. touch someone you didn't know in that place on the thigh, yeah, unless you really had to wake them up. But yeah, he touches the button and she wakes up, and so yeah, there is that question of like, what are we saying here? Like, is that, does she actually have a button? I didn't. I I don't think so. In 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 real life, I thought it was more sort of a coincidence that it happened that way. Okay. Uh, yeah. I also, mean, did you
0: have a second where you were like, okay, is she an android?
1: I I mean, not in any real way, no.
0: Okay. I mean, I did for like a split second. Yeah. I was like, wait a second, what just happened? <laughs> Right. Yeah.
1: But but it's it's a, it's a nice bit of foreshadowing. Um and uh and, and I really like the way that that played out.
0: That's the thing with this entire sequence I think is that there's just all these little things and little moments which make this bigger I think than what it is on paper, mm-hmm. you know. Um and I kind of felt that way about Parasite too versus like Oakja and Snowpiercer which are the only other two movies I've seen of him. Well, no, I've seen The Host as well. But like those movies are such bigger concept, just bigger movies, like there's so much stuff going on in them. Yeah. Plot-wise where I don't know, some of that I like and some of it I like less than like this and Parasite where it's a little more the concept is sort of tightly constructed and a little bit smaller and a little more human yes and then he just has all these like wonderful awesome little things like when she after she wakes up i believe she does this thing where she looks at him and then puts her hands up in front of her and does that old trick where you can make it look like your thumb like the tip of your thumb being you know cut off from your other And then, like, she does this super fluidly into pointing across the room behind him and says, one of your pizza boxes is upside down. And, again, it's just like, I never would have thought about that moment. (laughs) I don't know, like, why, but it's, like, great. Like, it just adds, like, he builds tension out Mm -hmm. of that. He milks it. I've, you know, I've been teaching screenwriting a little bit, and just very, very young students are just getting started screenwriting. I've had at least two, I think, write stories about people who are trying to step out of their homes for the first time in years. Oh, yeah. And it is a tricky, tricky thing to pull off. Um, partly because it's like, well, okay, why today? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it important? What? Who cares? You know, why has this person been shut in for a long... Like, it's just hard to translate that stuff. I mean, I think this is like a... Like, it's a master class in how to make that kind of intriguing, I yes. think. Yes. Because with the moment when he does step out of his house, it's like, you feel it. And yeah. it's just, it's a great, great shot. The reveal of the house behind him kind of covered in these, you know, ivy and plants growing yeah. all over it.
1: It's awesome. And I like that, especially that moment is, I mean, I don't even know if I would think about that moment Yeah. if, if I was writing it, but it's so great because it's such a surprise to us as the audience and it's a surprise to him too. He has no idea that's what the outside of his house looks like, mm-hmm. which I think is 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 really great. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, every moment of this uh, of the way this this story opens, these uh, shots that travel through the house, and you'll go from one room where the guy is like, you know, he's asleep on the toilet, and then you come through this room and you come to the kitchen, then he's over the sink eating. And it's all right. these sort of these fluid shots and, and moving in and out. And you're learning these little tidbits about them that are building the story, and every single one is is so keyed into, uh, you know, building what the story is. L- like like the girl getting up and doing the thumb thing, which is a really weird and awkward thing to do, and then pointing yeah. out that, that that pizza box is out of place, which just kind of says, oh, you're you're kind of like me, you you, mm-hmm. you kind of need things to be in the right place, and you're kind of like awkward like I am, and 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 without having to have that conversation. Yep, and and being able to do it in a fun, you know, clear way, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's really kind of what's so great about watching this is like it it is, so uh, it it feels really internal, but it just it builds that story so well.
0: Yeah, and I I want to say like and just by chance, if any of my students are listening i totally would have told you know if i'd seen the screenplay i would have said like oh you got way too much voiceover yeah it absolutely works in this like i would sure. have been wrong so yeah it's and, and like i think it works because it just makes sense he's not talked to people in 10 years really um it has to be internal monologue right yeah. like and it can't just he can't just launch in a conversation the minute he sees somebody
1: well yeah and i would also say i would also argue that the vo works really well here because as someone who lives by himself that i mean that is that's the voice he hears all the time like he yes he lives with that voice he hears it constantly as as a lot of us have that inner monologue running as we you know uh but i mean that's his socialization that is his voice yeah so Mm -hmm. i think it's important to hear that it would it would be uh It'd be weird to be on the outside of him, while being trapped with him inside that house. Yeah, that'd be a a a very different choice.
0: Yeah, totally. And there's another like kind of weird great moment in sort of the middle sequence of this. Uh, You know, basically the girl, um, she ends up leaving, and I can't remember exactly what the deal was. He didn't want her to go, but he orders a pizza the following week, and it's a different delivery driver. Yeah, and (laughs) and that guy, this guy, I think, is like. I think he's the boss of Pizza's End or he's higher up the food chain. And he has one of the angriest phone calls I've ever seen. And I loved it. Yes. He just, I don't even remember how he ends up asking to borrow the phone in this guy's his like shut-in's house or whatever, or what that situation was. But he, is, he gets so mad at one of his drivers and just hangs up furiously. You know, this guy is, is is trying to ask him about the girl delivery driver with the garter belt and like, where is she? What happened to her? And he just stares him down and says, she's my wife. And I was like, oh, shit, that's where this is going. Right. And then he was like, no, I'm just kidding. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, you got me. You totally got me. Yeah. Um, but like that. And then, yeah, it's really like uh, it's kind of about this guy then convincing himself that he gets her address from this boss guy and that, that he's going to go stop her from, you know, becoming a shut-in because she's not doing delivery anymore and like, she won't come out and... um getting over there is not going to be easy, and he doesn't know which way to go, and he doesn't know if you should take the bus or this bicycle that's been covered up by vines. And, yeah. you know, on his way over there, he then realizes that nobody's outside, right? Yeah. that Like the that famous intersection we've seen forever uh, in Tokyo, there's no one there. And it looked real it looked like it was shot on location i don't know if they blocked all that off or not but that must have not been cheap or easy and yeah it's kind of building this moment where he's again it's like just shot so great like he is running past these apartments i guess essentially and and looking for the right address and he passes her window and then doubles back to it and he sees her and um uh what was a line there he tells her to come outside and if not that she never will and she responds by closing the window and uh, it's like, oh God, that just—I uh, wanted, I wanted her to come out, you know. Um, and he jiggles the doorknob really aggressively, and then another earthquake happens, and um, you know, people come running frantically out of the building. Uh, there's a great moment where a bicycle just kind of falls out from the sky from nowhere. Yes. I mean, you can assume it was like hanging off a balcony above him, and almost hits our lead right in the head, and then like uh, he sees her, and he tries to keep her from going back inside. And he grabs her arm and he pushes the button that has the word love beside it. And things start to shake again. They stare at each other. And I don't remember who it was, but one of them said, it's shaking. And they cut to black. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a nice little place to end a short film like that. I think, you know, it doesn't answer everything by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, I don't know. What do you think? These two people are going to, is there a uh, a romance?
1: Yeah, man, they're going to go make little hermit babies. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. it's a very <laughs> except yeah. except they won't come out of her, and that's where that's where the sequel starts. Oh ah, okay. Okay. No. Uh,
0: you should pitch that to Bong Jun Ho. Believe
1: me, I'm I'm writing it up as we speak. Brilliant. It sounds like a real winner. Uh, no, but I was going to ask, was it as overt to you, uh, or am I just making stuff up? Because that's what I like to do in my head. The references to the Graduate.
0: Oh, I didn't even think about that.
1: As soon as the the, the bit where he's where he's left his house, and then uh-huh. he and he's running, okay. And all yeah. of a sudden, it clicked in for me because he's running, and like the soundtrack kind of sounds like that Paul Simon, ding, 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 like this acoustic guitar almost sound. I, yeah. I, I think in this it was more of a percussive thing, but I was like, oh, that really kind of reminds me of The Graduate. And then when he gets to her house. He's like yelling for it to come out and he's like, he grabs those bars and he's like hitting the window and all that stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, there is, you know, the graduates kind of has a little bit of alienation and isolation theme going on. And I bet you're right. That's, uh, that was kind of cool. And I, I, I didn't make much more of a meal of it than that, but that's, uh,
0: even the actor, I mean, he kind of, he even kind of looks a little bit like, uh. The Japanese Dustin Hoffman <laughs> from that close. movie. Just yeah. you know, the haircut and there's when he runs outside like he's wearing like a white button down shirt, but he's got shorts on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can kinda see that.
0: Um can kinda see it, man.
1: Well then my work I, is done.
0: His name is Tirayuki Kagawa. Yes. And uh he's also quite good in this film. He is. Uh yeah, so that is that is our triptych here. I think we covered them. We've covered our favorites. Is there anything you didn't like? Uh, any any shade you want to sling at uh, any of these three?
1: I hate to sling shade, you know, but I will. No, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I I, I didn't love Mared. Mared Mared wore out its welcome. <laughs> except yeah. well I, I i that's not really totally true it 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 would sort of wear out its welcome and then it would win me back it kind of did mm-hmm. that over and over again and i would i would kind of get in this place where I was like, eh, yeah yeah i don't know if i'm really enjoying this and then it would do something like scratch his knee after being hung and i'm like okay okay you can hang out for a little while longer you know but uh but 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 it but it was also a mostly unpleasant short i mean it was there was a lot yeah. of unpleasantness in it, whereas the other two <laughs> didn't, and so just on that yeah. level, you know, that's it's clearly trying to be challenging to the viewer. Uh, as I was watching it, my wife came into the room, and oh I mean, God. and I yeah. mean, immediately it was just like, "What, what, what shit are you watching right now?" <laughs> I was like, "No, no, no. just <laughs>
0: yes, it's not shit. It. It's married. It's married, yeah.
1: honey, married." Yeah, but. Uh, but I mean that that was the tough toughest go. Like that's that's the one I, I, I don't remember terribly fondly. But uh again, it has its winning moments. What about you?
0: Well, I, I would say I did like Mirrored. Um, and I don't know, I, I think having seen Holy Motors certainly kind of made me kind of aware of what I was probably getting into. Sure. I, I do think it is the one movie that you could probably pull out of this and put it with uh, two other sort of more like-minded things, perhaps, and even just stylistically. Right. And it might be a little more seamless experience and could be replaced by something that felt a little more like the bookends of Tokyo, for sure. I, I, like, I would definitely not argue with that. It, it, it could make for a completely different movie that, that would be a little more um, of the same ilk, perhaps, mm-hmm. across the board. And the definitely sticks out, uh, it sticks out. But I, beyond that, not really. I, I would not have complained just because I know he's so capable of one other little turn in the Bong Joon-ho segment Yeah. in Shaking Tokyo. And I say part of this because I swear to God, I saw some reference to Godzilla when I was doing my research yeah. on his section. So I, part of me was just waiting. I was like, okay, all right, there's going to be a monster. Like at some point, sure. something is coming out. And I don't know, was there – I I was even trying to read into that in that last earthquake scene.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I don't know, like maybe, maybe that was just way too much, that well, something was causing that shaking that was not natural.
1: Well, no, I I, I think – I don't think that you're unfounded in, in thinking that, and I, and I, okay. I kind of wonder if we should rename our podcast Dead Ends because i feel like that's all i'm ever leading anyone down here but but like i think it's okay because i thought about godzilla during Mared when he's throwing the yeah totally. you know grenades around and and all that stuff and and then and yeah when when tokyo was shaking i was thinking oh will it be godzilla yeah and then another part of me is just like is that how limited my japanese it, knowledge is 100% like 100 it's just gonna be godzilla yeah <laughs> Like, there's nothing Xenophobic else that it could be. Americans, yes. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think they weren't cognizant of that. Yeah. While doing, it. I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's just my failing. I mean, I have Ooh. a lot of failings. I mean, especially
0: the guy that made the host. I mean, he's made his his creature well, yeah. monster movies, right? That attack cities. Yeah, City, it could totally so be a
1: monster. Yeah. He's
0: got to be a fan. Yeah. Really, that's it. Honestly, um, if I had another sort of like wish. I really, I thought that the credits, the little animated things, I thought those were really cool looking. I mean, it's sure. just like a couple buildings, but it's got this cool like effect that gives it a lot of depth. Yeah. I, I almost wished there was like an animated segment in this thing. Like they added another one um, that yeah. was in that style. It just looked so cool. I thought.
1: Yeah, that could have been.
0: And actually, we didn't talk about that at all because the movie does sort of open with mostly a soundscape of being on an airplane and hearing a flight attendant sort of welcome you to Tokyo or prepare for landing. And then we go into a sort of that little animated segment with just the very, very opening title credit, which Mm -hmm. I totally thought was like, okay, this is Michelle Gondry through and through, like this is his segment and it's going to have some weird animation in it. And it's not like, no.
1: Right. Yeah. But, but,
0: But it does come back up right before the end credits. So yeah, I, I kind of wonder what the origins of that were, like if if one of those directors was responsible for that idea per se or if that was
1: Right. Know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna was somebody what w- was there one in particular call on the shots? Was yeah. like whose idea was it to begin with? And I I don't I don't necessarily see that one person's stamp is on the whole thing.
0: No, I wouldn't say so.
1: So yeah. But um, But uh but I would still I would still guess that Michel Gondry was the big name going into that one when it was released so Suspect
0: yeah. you're right. so yeah. we'll just have to ask him and find out yeah
1: as soon as we uh, as soon as we catch up with him we'll let everybody know
0: that's pretty much all i got there is a robot pizza delivery person in uh <laughs> there is one yeah in the in a moment in uh, shaking tokyo which i loved and uh kind of kind of hope becomes comes it i mean especially right did you think about what the situation we we're in right we can't leave without mentioning that absolutely uh, the situation we're in right now yeah
1: yeah yeah, when when I, when I saw the the robot like delivering, was it just delivering food or a, or a package? It was pizza, I think. I think it was. It delivering was pizza. pizza. Yeah, Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. No, I think you were right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you you can't help but think about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what we'll eventually uh, get to someday? I mean, even if you replaced
0: uh, the lead being a shut-in and just being under quarantine, yeah, a lot of it could could make sense for Absolutely. right now. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <sighs> sadly it'll
0: be nice hopefully one day soon to not start in, in our podcast with that but today is not that day no. again i hope everyone takes care and uh come back next time we're going to tee up another month of goodies and it should be exciting once again tokyo is streaming on amazon prime i one hundred percent recommended. I think you can break it up into three thirty-minute segments and very easily get through them, or just watch it all at once. It's a really cool experience. It is, uh, Craig. Yeah. Any last words, sir?
1: Guys, stay safe, wash your hands, and stay away from me. We should
0: put that on repeat, probably. There we go. All right. We'll see y'all next time.
1: I'll see you later. Bye. you <laughs>